The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! This is Cowboys Camping Out. Presented by Solo Stove. And broadcasting live from training camp in Oxnard, California. Well, we had so much fun the first time around here on Camping Out that we decided to bring you Camping Out Part 2 here in Oxnard, presented by Solo Stove. I've got my guys Nick Harris, Patrick Nosey-Walker. We've got Nate Newton in the house filling in for Nick Eatman and, of course, Kyle Yeomans, who's already dove into the <laughs> s'mores. I want that to be known that Kyle is wasting no time. It's not me this time. Uh, but kudos to Kyle. His mic is clean. So yeah, <laughs> I, I learned how to move my mic out of the Listen. way the first time. Thank you, Patrick <laughs> Nosey-Walker. Exactly. I pay dues so that others can succeed. You walked so I could run. Perfect. That's exactly right. And I ran so Nick Harris could fly later. (laughs) Yeah, science. I just want to point out that no one is as locked in as Nate Newton at this moment. Nate's ready to go. He's ready to roll. (laughs) Nate, what are your thoughts on the campfire? (laughs) Nate, you don't have a game in five minutes, I promise you. You can come on out. You're in a safe place right now. (laughs) (laughs) We'll wait for Nate to warm up a little bit here. Let's dive into some hot topics, though, around this campfire. Obviously, the number one thing that we've been waiting on for the last couple of weeks is the return of Zach Martin to training camp. We can happily say that the veteran offensive lineman has made it to training camp. I know you guys were staking out earlier trying to get a conversation <laughs> with him, uh, but obviously just exciting to get that veteran presence back on the offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is the conclusion that we all kind of expected would happen eventually, and you know, it came today. I think Kyle had a, a prediction early on in this whole ordeal that he would be back after the first uh, preseason game, so Kyle wins. He gets an extra I got one right. <laughs> he gets, I'll, I'll make you a s'more <laughs> later s'more for that. Yeah, I <laughs> appreciate it. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I think it comes at a really important time. I, I just put out an impact piece on DallasCowboys.com, and I, I'm t- kind of talking about not only does it help with financial financial negotiations with extensions for guys like Micah Parsons and C.D. Lamb moving forward, but it also puts one of the best team leaders back in the room in a position group that needs it right now. So uh, if you want to fulfill this 2023 potential with, you know, the potential we've been talking about as a Super Bowl run, you got to have Zach Martin at right guard and so you know this conclusion that needed to happen finally did happen and and perfectly said this is a a potentially special season for the Dallas Cowboys you go and you get Stephon Gilmore you get Brandon Cooks you retain Donovan Wilson Leighton Van Der Esch bring in a playmaker another playmaker like Deuce Vaughn and all of this excitement is going on and then you may not be without Zach Martin so and I'm on record as saying this time and again over the course of this situation in that I did not see a scenario in which Zach Martin was not on the field week one versus the New York Giants so thankfully all sides found a resolution Zach Martin is back here on campus so that in addition with Terrence Steele back on the right side of the line you no longer have any questions there you still have some things to figure out on the left side as far as chemistry in between Tyron and Tyler and then OL depth, which we'll get into. But the fact that Zach Martin is here is a, a huge sigh of relief for everyone in this organization. Yeah, I want to make sure I get the numbers right here. It looks like he signed a – he got an $8 million raise over the remainder of his contract, uh, roughly $7 million of that coming over the next two years. So this current deal runs through 2024. Uh, and, Kyle, I know you and I earlier we discussed, uh, you know, not just the benefit to the offensive line, but we talked about the rest of the positions on the field, how he impacts that. Uh, how do you see him kind of shifting back into that mold and kind of helping the rest of the team succeed? Well, you think about it with, with Dak Prescott, Scott, and it goes back to what Nick was talking about. If you're going to reach the expectations that the Cowboys have set for this season, you need Zach Martin up front because Dak Prescott needs that protection up front. And so, I mean, it, this is a, a huge plus for everybody on the offensive line, everybody in the offensive scheme, behind the line of scrimmage, the run game, it, you name it, Zach Martin is a key cog of this offensive front. And it's an offensive line that, at least after preseason game number one, you still have questions on. You still have a bit of a concern maybe of the depth of that offensive line, but now you are for sure uh, much more confident whenever it comes to the starting offensive front, and that's something I know, Nate, you're a little excited about. (laughs) (laughs) I'll even add on to that, (laughs) the running game. Time out. I got to know what (laughs) – What's the stalemate here? Are we going to get to hear from Nate Newton he, he on the said, podcast? He said segment two. He, he did say that <laughs> he wasn't. Should we go ahead and take a break? He said he wasn't going to speak on segment one. I can respect a man of his word. <laughs> he did Excellent. give a thumbs up, by the way, to my question. So he did. 
we'll, that did end up We'll happening. get Nate Newton's thoughts on the offensive line in segment two. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, Nate, you're go good, ahead. you're good. Why did we have to wait till segment two? I want to know. Nate's one of the best offensive linemen to ever play in this organization. I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> Maybe we'll make him a s'more and it'll go cheer for it, Nick Harris. Would a s'more help? No. Oh, no. <laughs> not even a thumbs up that time. No, I'll add on. Kyle was talking about how this not only helps the offensive line picture moving forward, but it also helps the run game. You know, even when we get to week one, it's going to be fluid at RB2. And so if if you have Zach Martin there at right guard, then that helps figure out that picture a lot quicker. So um, I I think that's probably the biggest addition that this this makes across the board because that's going to be a substantial difference rather than him coming in week eight. Because if he came in week eight, then you have to figure out that run game with kind of a shaky offensive line. And so I think it's really important that it happened today for those guys. And and it's also good for the the young guys like Awesome Richards and and some of these incoming guys to have Zach Martin on the field in practice to be able to learn and get these visual cues from him and get the advice in real time to help them perfect their reps as the reps go along in Oxnard and then ultimately when we get back to Frisco next week. So the impact cannot be overstated, cannot be oversold. Zach Martin being back in the building is just good for every single player, every coach involved in the organization as a whole. Let me pose this question to you guys. And Nick Harris, I know we talked about this earlier. Uh, does getting Zach Martin back on that offensive line, does that do does that solve the offensive line questions that we have going forward? Or how does Nate, Nate has spoken? <laughs> I wish he would tell us why but i guess you he locked back in tune he in to dragon in. ball z here in a little bit we'll yes. Yes. Um, but <laughs> having zach martin back you know what does that mean for the depth for the offensive line going forward yeah i i put out right on twitter right after the news broke that he signed his restructured deal it's like hey i'm still whispering here the offensive line issues are not completely solved yet. yeah and you know a, a lot of people came with a response both for me and against that that statement and the main point against was hey, a lot of teams in the NFL would kill to have this offensive line right now. Sure, mm. this offensive line, is pro- the, the picture overall is probably better than about 20 teams. But Kyle mentioned it when we were talking about it earlier, and it's like, well, if you're going to be in those top 10 teams, you need to be in that top echelon if you want to make a Super Bowl run. That, that's like, you got to be the best of the best. And, and so I, I would like to see depth added in that offensive line group just because if they were to add depth at any other position group other than kicker, I'd be like, why'd you do that? Not offensive line. So I, I would wa- rather see it at offensive line rather than anywhere else. That was my point is the fact that if you're going to say that, if you're going to say, hey, this offensive line, at least as a whole, is better than 20 other teams in the NFL, that's great. I, honestly, I might agree with you. But what is the whole point of this? What is the po- whole point of the expectations around this team? It's to go to an NFC championship game. It's to push to go to a Super Bowl. It's to be the best. You don't want to be 10th best. 10th best would be a failure of a season mm-hmm. for the Dallas Cowboys. And I guarantee you everybody yeah. across the hallway would say the same exact thing so if you're going to do that you need to have the upper echelon of talent and the depth to be able to do that because up front you look at the starting five for the Cowboys Mm -hmm. offensive line I do not have a problem with the starting offensive line Tyron Smith Tyler Smith Tyler Biotish Zach Martin Terrence Steele I feel really good about the starting five but if you're going to tell me and you're going to look me in the eye and say (laughs) over the course of a 17 game season we will not have an injury up front we will not have a rotation up front and we're not going to have any problems, I will straight up call you a liar, and I might not think you know a whole lot about football. That's the thing about the durability of this offensive line. That's the question. It's the depth. It's the rotation. Because one injury up front could upend the entire mm-hmm. structure, could upend the entire thing for this offense. And, and it's not like it's the end of the world, but it significantly hinders your chances if you're really going to make a deep playoff run, which you're expected to do, and what's always going to be the goal for this organization. Well, in, in, in the moment, Zach Martin being dropped back into the offensive line, it does, quote-unquote, fix the front five. Sure. Okay, so to your point, it, free, it fixes the front five as long as that no front arguments. five remains healthy, which is another, to That's your point. huge if. But it doesn't solve the depth issue whatsoever. Can he help coach up some of these younger guys in real time and practice reps and in the meeting rooms? Absolutely he can. But it's still incumbent upon these younger guys like Matt Farniak on the interior, Matt Walletsko getting uh, you know swing tackle duties, uh, rookie fifth-round pick Awesome Richards, he's getting some flex work as well. It's incumbent upon these young guys to step up and, and show – progressively more than what we saw against the Jaguars. There were some times they had some real struggles against the Jaguars, particularly with interior pressure, allowing interior pressure. But then there were some times later in the game where you saw some flashes from each one of these young guys that you you said to yourself, hey, 
I see that. I see that. So the potential is there. They really kind of have to glue it together and make sure that if if slash when, knock on wood, there is a, an plastic. injury. <coughs> is, this, is this real? No. Okay, that's real. Okay, let's go with the real. <laughs> uh, if an injury were to be suffered by anyone on the Cowboys' offensive start, starting offensive line, that any one of these young guys can step up and we can feel confident about it. If we are asked objectively right now, do we feel comfortable about the backups of the offensive line? I'm with Kyle. I would look anyone in the face and say, if you feel that you're confident, you're not watching football, or you're just trolling me. We need to see more from the from the young guys. And they're, st- they're showing some flashes, but they got to string this together. But that's the thing about offensive line, and, and Nate knows this as much as anybody. You can you can show flashes. You can show potential up front, but without consistency, yeah, it, it doesn't together. matter. you got to string it together. I mean, you could, you could play 100 snaps over the course of an NFL season, 100 snaps. If you give up six sacks in those 100 snaps, you're not playing good football. You're not a good offensive lineman. Sure. It's consistency across the board and that's that's where I have struggle. I, I came into camp with high expectations for guys like Matt Willetsko, Matt Farniak, and I'm not saying they've completely upended those expectations or they've completely let me down in those expectations, but they're just right where I thought they would be. They're 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 right in the middle mm-hmm. of where I wanted them to go. Right. And in order for you to feel comfortable about about the depth of that offensive line, you needed them to take a, a next step. And I don't know if I've seen that yet. Could be wrong. Like you said, there's potential, but without consistency, potential is just a hope. It has to be. You ha- they have to string it together because Jason Peters isn't running out of that locker room to save you, uh, at least right not right now. So <laughs> they're, they're looking. the Cowboys are looking for these young guys. Is that a tease? Uh, it's not a tease. Okay. I'm not speculating. <laughs> but he is still a free agent. <laughs> And I'm going to throw it back to him. <laughs> <laughs> we know nothing about what Jason Peters. If I had to guess what Jason Peters is doing right now, I imagine he's at the crib eating s'mores. His feet are kicked up. He's got nice. a solo stove. <laughs> he's got yeah. his little got solo, solo stove, stove out watching, there. watching camping out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Jason. S'mores. We miss you, Jason. Uh, Nick, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, uh, talking about the run game. Another big headline we had come out of today, obviously, Ezekiel Elliott has found a new home with the Patriots. He signed a one-year deal worth up to six million with those incentives. Uh, so obviously, the return to Dallas for Zeke that dream has kind of left us um but it's a good opportunity for him I think a really good position for him to be in up there with the Patriots that being said though it kind of allows you to look at these running backs that we currently have on this roster and kind of say okay this is it this is the group especially Dalvin Cook is out of the picture as well we'll see him week two uh just the running backs and and how well they kind of performed on Saturday and are we comfortable with the guys that we have here currently yeah the running back picture is getting more interesting by the day I think you look at the performance that Deuce Vaughn had on Saturday and it's not that he's had a bad camp it's just that that game surprised me based on what he's put together at camp Um, now Rico Dowdle I think other than the fumble he had a great game as well Um, he had a couple of moments in pass protection where I was looking and I was like okay you know it's not perfect but I see where he can go with this Hunter Lipke especially had a great moment in pass protection at one point in the fourth quarter Um, everybody did something right but I think what we're looking for is a guy to do everything right and I don't know if we're going to have that answer in the preseason so as far as if if you ask me right now who's who's going to be RB2 you could give me any of those four answers and I would understand your point I I think my answer right now currently would be Rico Dowdle but I'm not confident in that at all that would be my answer as well and I'm confident in it as we have this conversation Uh, obviously we still need to see Ronald Jones on the field we'll see if he gets a shot at the Seattle Seahawks he missed this past game against the Jaguars with the groin injury but he still has to contend with the two game suspension in week one and week two uh, as well so we've got to keep that on the table when discussing this RB2 equation but I'm not surprised by what Deuce Vaughn was able to do against the Jaguars because I've been seeing Deuce Vaughn do it at Kansas State That, that he basically just transferred over his play from Kansas State into an NFL game. So I expect that he's going to continue to do that. Does that make him RB2 to me? It doesn't because I feel like Rico Dowdle is better at pass pro. Rico Dowdle is a, a little bit more well-rounded as, what he, as far as what he brings to the table behind Tony Pollard. But Malik Davis, we know what Malik Davis is capable of. We saw that when he was given the opportunity due to Rico Dowdle's injury last year. So he just needs to take that step forward. Didn't have the best outing against the Jaguars, but we know the potential is there. I'm not going to give Rico Dowdle a failing grade because of the fumble because if you look at what happened in that phone booth at that particular moment I want to credit Turpin for being downfield that far making the block in the first place but it was just a series of unfortunate events but then you look at Dowdle how he bounced back mentally from that and that includes a 44 yard uh, return to show his value on special teams as well because keep in mind when we're talking about the running back depth chart who makes it versus who doesn't make it 
the special teams component is going to come into play in this as well. Deuce Vaughn is going to be a special teams guy, whether it be a returner or a personal protector. We know Malik Davis can contribute. You know, Rico Dowdle can contribute. But when it comes to the Ronald Jones equation, Ronald Jones has proven he can be a, a, a back, an impact back in this uh, in the NFL. But he's only had one special teams rep in the past three seasons. So don't forget the special teams component when we're talking about the running back depth chart. And I think Rico Dowdle is still that number two guy for me, and he was going into that game. I'm not going to knock him for the fumble because mm-hmm. he was trying to make a play. you got to hold on to the ball because if it continues to compound and he continues to, to let go of the ball and turnovers happen, then all of a sudden it is a problem. Yeah. Right now, one off, it's not a problem. Then it's a different conversation. Fumbles against Seattle, fumbles against, uh, against Las Vegas back – at AT&T Stadium, then we've got a conversation. But I, I, I agree with you because he's also a different back than Tony Pollard. He's bigger. Yeah. He's got 215 pounds on him. Uh, he's closer to six foot. I mean, he's got, he's got a bigger back mentality of, of, of short yardage situations, pass protection. I, I think you, you bundle in a guy that would fit with Tony Pollard, and that's Rico Dowdle. Sure. But in terms of the electricity, I will benefit what I saw from Deuce Vaughn. I mean, Deuce Vaughn was – Next level electric. It was mm-hmm. an instant jolt to that offense. You could feel it in the crowd. I mean, we were in, even in the booth, and once he broke the run for 26 yards, all of a sudden the crowd's right back in it. I mean, that's not always going to be the case. I mean, he's a, a fan favorite at the moment for a reason, but also with the electricity that he brings and the possibility that he could bring if he continues to grow into a role in the NFL, that's exciting for me. That's exciting to see how he could do it, and I think it's got to start with special teams as well. Both of those guys will be on special teams. I don't know where Malik Davis or, or uh, Ronald Jones Jr. fit into the fold there, but for the most part, I know those first two guys are going to be involved quite a bit. Yeah, it's interesting because Kyle and I were talking, I think it was on the plane on the way uh, back here to Oxnard, and one of the things I mentioned was I didn't realize that Rico Dowdle was such a physical runner. Oh, yes. The way, oh, yes. But, but to be fair, like I've never had a chance to ever really see him play in a game before. You know, other he's Injury. been banged up, yeah. and it actually took Mike McCarthy the other day in the press conference. He said, "You got to remember, this is a guy who, in his rookie year, returned to kick off for a touchdown." Yeah. And so it was just so interesting. You know, that was my first experience, like my introduction to what Rico Dowdle can bring to the table. And so I think when you're looking at everything, I am interested to see what Ronald Jones brings because to me, special teams I think will be important for guys like Rico, for guys like Malik, for guys like Deuce. Mm-hmm. I don't see I don't see Ronald filling a role on special teams. Agreed. I think he brings too much of a veteran experience. Again, we've got to see him on the field a little bit more. We've got to see him working in a little bit more. Uh, I think he just fits more. And, and I know that Mike's not trying to recreate Zeke per se, mm-hmm. but I think if you're looking for a role to fill the ru- running back two role, I don't want my running back two also trying to lock in on also right. being on special teams. I want him focused on that second running back role. I, so. I think the running back depth chart is is going to be three deep um i'm i don't see an equation that can convince me that the cowboys are going to carry four running backs knowing that they need to ensure offensive line depth they're going to have very difficult cuts on that defensive line especially if you're talking tight about end. you're right a tight end as well right you talk about john stevens and what he's bringing on the defensive line you look at isaiah land how he was already able to impact the jaguars game they might have to run plus one on one or more sure. of those positions so that means you're not going to carry four running backs and if you're only going to carry three as as we have this conversation, things could change. We'll see. But I have, obviously, Tony Pollard, number one. Then I have Rico Dowdle, and I have Deuce Vaughn because you're not going to let Deuce Vaughn go, which then means what does it mean for Malik Davis? Maybe it's another stint on the practice squad, but, you know, he can change that with a big game against the Seattle Seahawks. But then again, Ronald Jones, what do you do with that? Again, that two-game suspension, it looms large. It does. It looms large. No, it does. It, it just hover, hovers over him. I'm curious, Nick, is yours the same three? If you're building the Nick Harris depth chart, we're, we're talking about Pollard, Dowdle, and Vaughn. Yes, yes, yeah, probably so. Okay, probably mine would be so. the exact tough. same. Nate, is yours the same? He's got a thumbs <coughs> All right, up. We got there a we thumbs go. up from Big Nate. I will say this about Deuce: putting him at personal protector. That's interesting uh, on special teams, just because uh, they're trying to translate that rep, those reps, and those skills that he needs to learn for that. I guess as a, a personal protector, as as an RB two as well. So. 
I, I, I found that interesting. That kind of popped in my head while we yeah. were thinking about this. I was like, I wonder if they're trying to just give him baptism by f- uh, by fire. <laughs> he had nice. a baptism last week Bars. against Bars. Tank. Bars. Thank you. I, appreciate I don't know that he. <laughs> I don't know that he Mixed needs any more soon. fire over a year after he had that hit <laughs> <laughs> from Tank at practice it's last week. Check my SoundCloud week. link. <laughs> <laughs> Lord have mercy. Holy nice. Um, I might actually just check that out. Yeah. Um, this West Coast <laughs> offense, though, obviously that's been the uh, the emphasis for Mike McCarthy as he takes over the play calling. Uh, we we talked about the role of the running backs and the personal protection and all of that being a big factor in this West Coast offense. But Kyle brought it up as well with the tight ends and and how their role kind of shifts. Um, What did you guys think of the tight ends? I know Jake Ferg had a really big catch there over the middle, kind of showing his size, but the tight ends in this new system. I really liked what Jake Ferguson brought in the first. swaggy. Yeah, that's exactly what I said in uh, (laughs) my five takes article right out of it is Jake Ferguson has a swagger to him. Juice, And it it was physicality that was shown in a preseason game. It was going up and making those contested catches uh, and showing that he could be a reliable target, and he did it with Cooper Rush, which makes me think he can do it even more with Dak Prescott. You know, I, I understand the concerns about tight end that some people may have. I don't have those concerns because I think Jake Ferguson is ready for this spotlight. And, and I've been on, you know, I've said it a few times, even especially after the schoonmaker pick, uh, and everyone's like, well, if you're going to use a, a second round pick on a tight end, then that tight end's likely going to end up being your starter. Jake Ferguson has shown enough to me that at the moment he deserves to take the throne from Dalton Schultz. Now, what happens from here between he and Stu- a schoolmaker and then Hendershot and John Stevens is coming on, uh, Sean McEwen, a veteran who can, can give you some blocking, we'll see how that all shakes out. But nothing changed for me prior to the Jaguars game in believing in Jake Ferguson. The only thing that changed thereafter was me doubling down on the fact that Jake Ferguson is ready to take the throne as TE1. So that's, for me, that's definitive. I do love that Schoonmaker was in the game, didn't get a ton of reps as he works back from plantar fasciitis, but I'm looking forward to see what he can do going forward. I believe he will be a, a major factor in deciding how many tight ends the Cowboys carry, but what's really potentially going to shake up this depth chart, I've said the name, I'll say it again, John Stevens Jr., What's the conversation there? Because we know Peyton Hendershot, he's essentially a receiver playing tight end. He can stretch the field. He's dangerous in space. He has the quickness to get out of his breaks like a receiver. But John Stevens Jr. brings a lot to the table as well, particularly his length, his ability to play on the outside, his ability to be a red zone threat. And then you start to look at a veteran like Sean McEwen, who's more of the steady hand. He's the blocker. So where do you go with that? This tight end equation is going to be fun to try to figure out. Well, you look at the the passing game as a whole. 246 yards through the air against Jacksonville on Saturday. 110 of those yards, nearly half of the production, came from the tight end room. Peyton Hendershot was not one of those tight ends. He was not one that was targeted. He didn't get a single target. But you had Seth Green with the target. You had Luke Schumacher with the target. Both of them had eight yards receiving. Then you had Jake Ferguson, second on the team in receiving. You had John Stevens, who led the team in receiving. He had a touchdown late. Now, you got to remember who a lot of those guys and a lot of those reps came up against. John Stevens was playing mostly against the back-end twos and the threes of Jacksonville. Jake Ferguson played against a lot of the ones of Jacksonville. So I I think right now Ferguson's the leader in the clubhouse, and I'm not trying to discount Peyton Hendershot. You can go through an entire game, especially a preseason game, when you're trying to to spread the ball around a little bit and not receive a target, and that's not uh, a bad indication of how you played. But it is something I'd like to see more of here over the next couple of games. I want to see more of Hendershot in the red zone. They've, seen, they've shown it out here in Oxnard. He's been very active yes. in red zone, especially with the first-teamers here in Oxnard. Use it in the preseason. Use it in, in a couple different situations. I really like the way they utilized uh, the West Coast concepts and used the tight ends in doing so. Both of those, those guys that I mentioned, Stevens and Ferguson, were highlighted players when they were on the field as a part of the offense, and I love that for this tight end room because there's a lot of potential there, and I think it could continue to grow. Stevens, I've been on him since we were on camping yeah, out the first were. time. That's, that's a fact. And, and he's continuing to still push and, and push the issue. It's going to be hard to keep anything less than four tight ends. I, I, I think agree. it's impossible. No, you've got to be there. And, and be even then, I mean, I talked to Linda Wells earlier. He said, I don't know what they'll do in front of it in terms of the, the head coaches. And the front office, but he's like, if I could keep five, I would love to keep of five. Of course he would. But that, <laughs> those that's are, the tight those end are his guys. He would those keep are, five. Yeah. He would those keep are his guys. 11 if he could. He those would go get a couple more. Yeah. But, I mean, there's there are going to be some tough decisions to be made in that tight end room, and I think it starts with four. It's pretty likely, and they've, they've kept four in the past. I mean, go back last year mm-hmm. they had four guys. Four horsemen, baby. They would, they would definitely do it again, 
But even then, if the, if one of those guys really continues to stick out, they may only take three. And if that's the case, then it's really tough conversations mm. yeah. coming down for this front office. I will say with Peyton Hendershot, it's interesting because you've seen how much extra work that Dak kind of lovingly gives him. There's been a couple of times in practice where he's, you know, missed a route or yeah. dropped a pass, and Dak specifically has – picked him up and said, go do this again, and really worked with him. And you have to think, too, a lot of Peyton's highlights last year was when there were multiple tight ends on the field. Like, I go back to when he scored, I believe it was against the Lions, and what was that? It was a four tight end set. All of them were on the field, and nobody knew what to do because you had (laughs) Dalton, Jake, and Peyton, and I think Sean McEwen was in there as well blocking. Uh, And so I think he benefits a lot from having the other guys around him. I think where he gets a little bit lost in the sauce is – when you're relying on him to be that number one. And I know he struggled a lot with, you know, them bringing in a schoonmaker in, in the second round and, and being in a crowded con- big room like that. So uh, I'm, I like how you kind of phrase that a little bit, Kyle, just kind of seeing where he goes from there. We spent a lot of time talking about the offense, though. I want to transition and talk about the defense. So we're going to go ahead and take a break here on Camping Out, presented by Solo Stove. Hopefully when we come back, we'll get to hear from Nate Newton. He's been silent. I know he's got a lot of thoughts, but we will go ahead and take a break here on Camping Out. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Are you ready to take coffee off your grocery list forever? Black Rifle Coffee Club is here to help. As a coffee club member, you'll get your favorite coffees roasted, packaged, and shipped to your door free of charge on your preferred schedule. Set it, forget it, and never run low on coffee again. Members also get exclusive deals on coffee, products, and discounts from partner brands. Ease your mind and let Black Rifle worry about your coffee supply. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com to join the coffee club today. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot Rowdy cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive. Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at BankofAmerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to Cowboys Camping Out. Back here on Camping Out, we decided to join Kyle here with the solo stove and, and make ourselves some s'mores. Be sure to pay attention to Patrick. As I'm he's not. Eating I'm not. Nope. It's a trip. Marshmallow. Nick Harris, no Seawalker. Nate Newton, Kyle Yeomans alongside. I'm Haley Sutton. Nate, while I roast this marshmallow, I want to give you the floor because we've been dying to hear you chat. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Jacksonville game on yeah, Saturday? Uh, it, to me, it, it, was, it was great uh, because what the Jacksonville game proved to me is that we, we, we signed Zach Martin. That's, a, that's what Jacksonville proved to me. You guys did a, a super great job <laughs> in that first segment. I, I wanted to we speak up. <laughs> we missed uh, you so much. Zach is here. Uh, the tight end situation is it's a good one to have. It's been a long time since we haven't just focused on 
one tight end. It's yep. always been Dax, boy, Dalton, Dalton, Dalton. Now we got Jake. We got McKeon. Even got, before that, it yeah. was Witten, Witten, Witten. Yes. I mean, it, it's always been like that. And now we have a true two tight end set with the big young kids, schoolmaker. I'm, I'm loving this. I'm loving the situation that we're in. Uh, like I said, for me, camp officially started uh, Friday when my man, uh, you know, made sure he had this thing done. So I'm good. I am good. Kyle, can you give me a chocolate? And while yep. you do that, let's talk a little bit about this defense because we, we talked about it a lot on Countdown to Kickoff. We talked about it a lot leading up to Saturday's game. There is so much depth on Excuse this. Me, don't stab him with that. Whatever you right. got. Okay. He'll be all right. Uh, we have so uh, much depth on, on this defensive line. Diversity. I feel the love. Hey, Derek, workers come. Okay. I'm trying to get HR involved, and I will not stand for that. Um, um, but in terms of the defense, uh, let, let's start with the front seven, what we saw out of them. I know Mozzie Smith got a lot of reps on Saturday, and much more than I was expecting. Um, I don't know if that's how much playing time you guys expected to get, but how would you evaluate our first-round draft pick? Nate? Uh, I uh, – he has to learn that being the strongest man in the world don't win football games. Mm. He's got to learn that leverage, quickness, and knowledge of – if he just knows what to do, if he just takes that one step right or that one step left, he, he changes the whole makeup of the defense. Because now you not only eat up all the blocks, you take up more than one man. Now you have opportunity to close the space the lanes that they're trying to get into, you, you, you cutting it down from a five-yard run to a three-yard run. Are you taking away a touchdown by just bumping that guy and knocking him off? So he has to learn. Once he learns that leverage and just knowing where to be and what gap, it's going to be a different, it's going to be a different mix because they got two linebackers. Wow. And that's an exact conversation me and Nate had at lunch today. <laughs> and I, I, I would like Mozzie to start working with Oso Digizua just because when it comes to leverage on that interior defensive line, he's so good at that. Yes. He's so good at pushing a guy in a direction he's already going to get where Osa needs to get to. So uh, I would love to see a little bit of work there between those two guys because I think if Mozzie could pick up some things from Osa, man, that's dangerous. That's a yes. first-round pick. It's and interesting that you brought that up. Sorry, Patrick, just real quick. You, I'll get it yeah. in a minute. Oh, yeah. I'll get it in a minute. Oh, yeah. Please but it's do. interesting please. that you bring oh, yeah. that up. Please do. It's, it's nerve wracking. It's nerve wracking. Can you please? <laughs> can, I just, can I please? <laughs> I promise okay. you I'll get it off my face now. <laughs> you I promise you. You wanted to talk. Because now what y'all are doing is drawing attention to it. <laughs> oh, is that how that feels? <laughs> Regardless, it's interesting, Nick, that you bring that up because after practice today, which practice today was not really practice, you know, it was kind of a walkthrough. Um, but it wasn't Osa, it was Micah yep. uh, that Mozzie kind of met with right there where we do media, and they were working on hand-to-hand combat drills, and Micah was walking him through, like, here's what you need to do, here's kind of mm-hmm. how you need to work. And they walked all the way from the middle of the field all the way to the locker room, just kind of him, Micah coaching him up. Yep. So it's not Osa, but it's definitely nice to see that he's taking that next step and understands, to Nate's point, that he, he can't rely on strength. He can't just rely on being the strongest man in the room. And I don't remember who I was talking to about this earlier, but I think he got away with a lot in college because he was the strongest man in the room, that he didn't necessarily always have to hone in on those fundamentals. So good point that you brought up. But but I think it also needs to be said that the first uh, player on the Cowboys roster that reached out to Mozzie Smith after the the pick was made was Osa Odigizua. Yes. So Osa did take that initiative. Forgot about that. Yeah, to start building. See, that's why I'm here. I got you. Yeah, I got you. Um, So (laughs) the the chemistry between Osa and Mozzie started early, and it's continued through, uh, you know, OTA's minicamp and now here in training camp. And, yes, Nate, he hit the nail on the head. Mozzie just needs to get a better understanding of – how to use his strength and when to use it and how to try to put some finesse into it as well. And his get-off needs to improve a little bit, and he understands this as well. Um, And that's kind of what you saw in the Jaguars game, but then you also saw on a couple of occasions, more than a couple of occasions, he was doing exactly what the Cowboys brought him to do. He was double-teamed. He was eating up double-teams. There was at one point it was a triple-team where the third third person served as a chip for him and then went to another assignment. So... Those are the kinds of plays, unless you're actually looking at Mozzie, you may not notice that, and you're definitely not going to see it on the stat sheet, but that impacts the game because that impacts that particular play. Playing off of that, 32 snaps for for Mozzie, 17 were in run defense, 15 were in pass rush. That's valuable. Every single one of those is valuable, especially when you see the different looks, when you see the double teams and the triple teams, which it's not going to be the only time he's going to be double teamed, and it's not going to be the only time he's triple teamed. 
but it might be one of the first few times you get a chance to go one-on-one mono mono Imano and have that same kind of physicality because if you're double teaming Mozzie Smith, what are you doing with Micah Parsons? Getting getting eaten alive. What's what's <laughs> happening if if you're doubling Micah Parsons and you're doubling Mozzie Smith? What's the happening is this with score. Demarcus Lawrence? <laughs> you're getting your lunch. But that's what I, that's kind of my point is there's a lot of times in this preseason it's happening. He's the best player on the the, the defensive front. There's a lot of times he's going to be the strongest man. There's a lot of times where he's going to be an impact player in the preseason because he's going up against twos. He's going up against threes, and he doesn't have the ones around him Mm -hmm. to play. So he's going to see a lot of those looks. Don't get discouraged by what you see from Mozzie Smith in the preseason. Right. Because when you get to the regular season, he's going to see a lot of single looks. I'm going to see a lot of man-on-man. Now, it's going to be 1v1. It's going to be the ones versus the ones, so it'll be better competition that he's going up against. But don't get discouraged if he only ends up with one pressure and one stop and one tackle, which is what ended up happening. Let the guy kind of fill into it. It was his first pro action, and he's also never been a stat stuffer either. He's never been one of those guys. He's there to clog up the middle, stop the run, and I think he did that better as the game went along. And I even asked him on the bus afterwards. I said, how would you feel? He said, I've got a long way to go, and he knows it. He so knows there's, it. there's ways to, that he's going to improve, and there's and ways that he's going to look better than it's, he is. It's the, it's the snaps, and, and I talked to Coach Quinn, and that's what he said. He said, every first and second down, he's going to be on the field, Nate. Yes. I've got to play him. i got to get him going. i got to get him motivated to do what is right for this defense. And and I'm, everything you said is so true, but even the times that uh, he was out of place – he still allowed those linebackers to flow. But and, and also, awesome. it, and, and that let's not lose the fact that you know while strength can't be the end all be all, mm. sooner or later it's going to come into play. Sure. And there was one play in particular. Talk about that tackle. There's one play in particular where it was finally one on one, and he absolutely threw that guy out of the club. He threw him out of the club. He, the guy's self confidence went right behind him. <laughs> no white tees. No white tees. Right <laughs> out so, of here. In those situations, when Mozzie Smith is lined up one-on-one, you want that strength to win, and it did against Jacksonville. But more often than not, it was double teams, which is one of the reasons the Cowboys brought him in. So now it's just a matter of, one, understanding that that in and of itself brings value because it allows Micah to eat off the right. Sam Williams, it allows Dorrance Armstrong and Demarcus Lawrence to eat. It allows your linebackers to maybe go into a blitz package every once in a while because <laughs> there's one less body that's there to pick up a free blitzer. So there was a lot of value. So to Kyle's point, when you're looking at Mozzie Smith, don't be a stat watcher, right? For the same reason you yep. wouldn't be a stat watcher for Jonathan Hankins, but no one's going to argue Jonathan Hankins' value on the team. No. So that's my main point when it comes to I want to make a T-shirt with that on there. Would you go in, go in half uh, and absolutely. half? Don't be a stat watcher? Don't be a stat watcher. Only, like it. only if you a put a s'more watcher. on the back. We'll think about it. <laughs> and a have, solo I'm, stove. I'm a solo stove. <laughs> Brought to you by Sto- you Solo by Stove. Solo. Just get a nice little well, solo stove. they got to pay for the shirt. Solo that's stove that's right here on the do, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Um, elsewhere on the defense, there, I think there was a couple of, uh, you know, standout performances. But I, I want to talk about Wanye Thomas, a guy who has had, yes. I think, a, a pretty good camp so far. Um, I had a chance to talk to him before we left, and I just asked him, you know, what's different about this this training camp because you came in, you're chirping a lot, you're causing a lot of tiffs in the in the huddles, <laughs> you're, you're part of that trash talk. I know you, the, the headlines won't pull that, but, you know, what's working for you? And he said, my confidence is just better. I just go out and I play with a little bit more confident. I know I have the skills. I know what I can bring to this uh, secondary. Um, and then he goes out and gets the first pick of the season for the Cowboys right off of Trevor Lawrence on his first passing attempt. Uh, were we impressed with Wanye on Saturday? Overall, yes. Um, I, I think there's definitely some things he could clean up, but – I, the, the camp that he's put together and then obviously the first preseason game coming out and get a pick right off the bat, I, man, I, I don't see how much higher he can go. He's doing really well. Um, where does he kind of factor into the safety equation? I think that's an interesting conversation because, you know, Marquise Bell has done some really good things in Donovan Wilson's absence uh, of this camp as well. Um, you know, Malik Hooker is obviously being Malik Hooker as well. So I, I think it's getting kind of crowded in that room, which is crazy to say. That's crazy to say. Especially 10 years ago, that would be crazy to say. Well, you're, you're probably going to say yeah, four years, four years yeah, ago. Exactly. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the, uh, I mean, the se- secondary, you're probably going to take 10 DBs. And you can mix and match between corners and safeties. But most of the time, it will be six and four. It will be six corners, four safeties. If you're talking about four healthy safeties – J. Ron Curse, Malik Cooker, Donovan Wilson, one other spot. Yep. Uh, I mean, Wanye Thomas is making a push, mm-hmm. no doubt about it, but I know Marquise so Bell Marquise would like Bell. to be there. Tyler Coyle did not have a great game on not. Saturday, but he's played better than that in his past previously. So 
Maybe he has a rebound performance. And let's not pretend that Wanye Thomas was perfect on Saturday either. There mm-hmm. were some lapses there as well. Marquise Bell had some lapses. There was there were signs of this being a young and inexperienced secondary group getting extra secondary reps. So if they're going to continue to, to, to stand out, they're going to have to do what Wanye did, which is make the big play. And he did so against Trevor Lawrence in the first team offense. So that's going to stick out, but there's still ways that he can continue to distance himself. And, and it's with, with Wanye, like you said, he made the play, picks off Trevor Lawrence, uh, targeting Evan Ingram, second play from scrimmage. But then you look at the, once the game is done in its totality, Marquise Bell leads the team in tackles with yeah. 10 tackles. He was, all, he was flying all over the field yes, as well. Were they perfect? No. These are young guys, second-year guys, both of them, um, who have stepped up in camp, and they're showing that they have a lot of potential. But this is why it's exciting because you, you have to keep in mind that, who again, who did Wanye pick off? Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. targeting Evan Ingram. He, was, he got that takeaway against the ones, okay? And you know that unless there's an injury situation at safety, you're not going to see Wanye Thomas ideally. But you know that if it happens and you need to see Wanye Thomas or you need to see Marquise Bell, Based on what they've already put on film, is it perfect? No, but it's shown you enough where you could be at least confident that these guys can come in and perform, even if it's in short sections. I will say this. I think something that could give flexibility to both of those guys is I like the body type and traits that Wanye has to be Mm. translated at nickel. So if he can can show that versatility a little bit, then that possibly gives a roster spot to both of those guys. I was thinking special teams, too. Special teams as well, for sure. Those guys could fit in with their body type there as well. But then that creates the – the, the discussion at nickel because yep, yep, you have yep. Deron Bland, Jordan Lewis, who I spoke with, and you know we spoke with Jordan Lewis uh, at nauseum over these past several weeks, and I spoke with him as recently as a couple of hours ago, and he anticipates his return is coming very soon, and the way that he's talking, it might be and should be before week one. So mm-hmm. now you have two definitive nickel guys, and you're going to see Deron Bland get some outside reps depending on sets and if Gilmore needs a rest or whatever the case may be. But I think the Cowboys, as long as injury doesn't derail them, they're set at nickel. They're also also trying Kelvin Joseph at nickel. Sure. But what they've been doing with Wanye Thomas is using him in all three safety spots, but they've been utilizing Marquise Bell more as the Donovan Wilson role, which is one reason he led the team in tackles on Saturday with 10. So those are two separate roles, so it's interesting to see how it plays out. But the thing is, we're Way much go, more confident. Huh? We have much more confidence in our safety positions than our backup offensive line. These are backups we're talking about yeah. that, can, that we have no reservations in starting. Right. If they have to start, even with the mistakes that were made, these guys can start for us several games. Especially we with don't, the pass rush yeah, we have. Yes, that is the key. Those guys up front makes the, makes the difference. But we don't have that with offensive line. And so to just to hear you guys be so much the confidence in what y'all are saying about these guys is just it's overwhelming. I'm glad that you brought the offensive line back us. up. We also got, we just got a message, I thought? think, on our, on our text <laughs> line me. specifically for you, Nate. This is from Richard Palacios from Rio Grande City mm-hmm. in Rio Grande Valley. He says, hey, guys, you're doing an awesome job. One coverage, or I should say, informing us what's going on with the boys. Question for Super Bowl winner, Mr. Nate Newton. Do you see any linemen how you saw Terrence Steele? When Steele was having issues, he was the only one, you being the only one, who said be patient with Steele, who has the technique. Do you see any of the other young linemen that might be the same as Terrence Steele? Rich, awesome Richards. I think if given one position to play, he can prosper. Uh, and I think uh, T.J. Bass, if he just can st- play in one position, maybe the right guard, just let him work. Which I position do you guys. think they fit best? Uh, I, I I had no problems with Austin Richards at left tackle. I think a lot of people looked at the film and thought that this kid didn't have no problem in the sack that he gave up. The quarterback held the ball because he was flushed back mm-hmm. and he couldn't step up. So yeah, so I I, I wanted to see him work, and uh, I hope that uh, coach will let them work like they did more like this past game. And we need for well, let's go. Is I'm pronouncing that right? Well, let's mm-hmm. go. Yeah, we need for him, we need for him to step up. Yep. We need for him to step up. This this goes all the way back to the Zach Martin equation. As as early as padded practice tomorrow, if he participates in padded practice, the fact that Zach Martin is back, now you don't need to flex Awesome Richards as much between positions. You You can say, well, Zach Martin's back. Let's let's see you swing tackle, right? And – to your point, Awesome Richards didn't look bad as a left tackle, and I actually really liked. Yeah, what I and saw Nick Harris and I were kind of playfully joking in the press box, uh, even on that sack. What did we say? We we're like, well, that 
probably is the only sack he'll have if you look at his days with, at North Carolina, and he right. gave up like one to three snaps in like one thousand mm-hmm. uh, or oh, one to three one sack. sacks allowed. Yeah, with one sack allowed in like a. And th- I think it was like one thousand and thirty right. snaps. So I said, okay, like well that. he got it out the way early with the Cowboys, right. <laughs> right? So to Nate's point, if you with Zach Martin back, a lot of this you know hyper flex between positions, I think will calm down quite a bit and a lot of these guys can start these young guys can start locking into some of these left guard positions for you know a Brock Hoffman or something like that Alec Lindstrom focus on center uh, Awesome Richards focus on swing tackle potential yeah and Awesome Richards he he comes with a wealth of experience uh, and reps at North Carolina he had uh, over a thousand snaps each of his last three seasons and his sophomore year he gave up seven sacks and his junior year he gave up five his senior year he gave up three so that was like the one better, that he's going to have better. in his rookie year right. in the he NFL. Had, he had 1,050 these offensive snaps wow. in 2022 alone, and he gave up one sack. Wow. One, I it think was it was one, one sack. Is Uno. what I have here. That's what unless, I'm, he, unless I'm wrong, he, he got his cow, he got his cowboys. Either way, one out or the way three, early. it's incredible. It's, it it's a thousand and fifty snaps. Like, I'm okay with it. It is ridiculous, is what it is. <laughs> so we've got a few more minutes here. Kyle resparked our solo stove. We Woo-hoo. love that. Uh, last couple of minutes here. As we go through this final week here in Oxnard, we we head into that second preseason game against the uh, Seahawks on Saturday. How does this team take the next step? How do we take what we saw on Saturday? We apply that here in practice. What makes a successful game against the Seahawks on can I, Saturday? Can I start an yes, established please. running game <laughs> with with whoever's in the game? You know, he I, allowed I think three sacks. By the way, I was wrong. Yeah, I had a, I had a typo. Good job. Hey, Nick. we love accountability well here. We yeah, we, we love do. accountability. We do hold each other I mean, accountable. That's the point, right? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Sorry, we all, I didn't want to cut dubs. you off. But no, I got you're you. good. You're good. I'll take the dub. Don't <laughs> yeah, get me that's wrong. A dub. Don't get me wrong. Well done. Um, but no, I want to see an established running game from start to finish. I think Malik Davis got the short end of the stick uh, on uh, on Saturday because when he came in, that offensive line was struggling, and and it took them two three drives to really get going, mm. and uh, it, it allowed Malik Davis to not have as many opportunities as the other guys. So I want to see Malik Davis get that full opportunity with with uh, the run game. You know, whoever's up front. So uh, I, I think Malik Davis had three rushes for four yards or something similar to that. And it, it wasn't that he was ne- not necessarily bouncing to the right holes. I think there's probably some truth into that as well. But it really came down to he was getting swarmed as soon as he got the ball. So, you know, from start to finish, I, I want to see an established running game. And I would feel great about that if we came out of week two with that. I, I love what the linebackers did, the young linebackers did against the Jaguars. Talk about DeMarvion Overshown absolutely had a great game. Um, was he flawless? Absolutely not. But to see what he put on film – has to invoke so much confidence and optimism for anyone who believes that this kid can be something special for the Cowboys. I believe that he can, especially in Dan Quinn's system. Uh, Damone Clark is the one that I pegged as having setting up to have the biggest year two leap uh, on the defensive side of the ball. But I'm going to go on the offensive side of the ball, and I want to see more uh, from this in this battle of WR4. You saw Jalen Tolbert come out, and the OPI, which actually was not OPI, I'm going to give him credit for that. If you look at how he – the release on that he had the defensive back beat from the line of scrimmage the speed was there the ability to turn around high point the ball turn in space come down and have sideline awareness to get both feet in that's the Jalen Tobert the Cowboys believed in when they took him in the third round and then of course you saw the touchdown his first in the Cowboys uniform um, Simi Fajoko started to get some play in the second half got consecutive passes from Will Greer Dennis Houston got involved there was a sequence where Dennis Houston had three consecutive receptions as well and he was targeted he caught all three of his to add on to that really quick, that deuce drive doesn't happen without that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I want to see between Jalen Tolbert, who continues to show that he's ready to take the next step, Simi Fajoko, who's had some ups and downs in camps, but lately he's been stringing together good days. Dennis Houston, those three catches tell you that he still has the ability he had when he was one of the stars in 2022 training camp, and then we get to see – How many spots are left at wide receiver? That there's the question. One. There's the you question. can name it. You don't name eight guys, but how many spots are left? <laughs> We're talking about the fight. We're, We're talking gonna, about the battle. carry six. Who's We're five? We're talking about the battle. Who's five? Uh, Turpin's, Turpin's getting in there. Turpin's It'd in be, there. It, okay. w- it would be okay. Turpin and, and Turpin's, Turpin's in. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he fumbled so the ball, but let's not get it he's twisted. In there. He's, he's in there. So, he's going to so, be the return man. So to my point, Big Nate, this is why I want to see this WR four battle flesh right. out more against Seattle because I love what Jalen Tobert is bringing. I love that Semi Hoko is starting to kind of surge and push Tobert a little bit more. But again, Dennis Houston, he's coming out and he's pushing as well. Seattle and especially against the Las Vegas Raiders, I think this is where that WR four battle is going to be decided. Yes. I think there are times when. You see these wide receivers elevate their game. And, I mean, 
you also got to think about it. Like, if they're not going to make this team, if they're not going to be uh, a part of the Cowboys organization, they're also trying out and putting tape out there for, for all, all 31 other all teams. teams. Yeah. And and whether that's – believe what you want, but whether that's Simi Fajoko, Dennis Houston, whoever it may be, I mean, there's a good chance that they're going to make some tough decisions and cut some of these talented wide receivers whenever they, they come down to it just because they have more up front. They have Brandon Cooks. They have a healthy Michael Gallup. They have Jalen Tolbert, who's emerging. Kevante Turpin, who they're trying to get involved on offense. And, I mean, Mike even said it. They put him on offense. He did some good things. He did some bad things. I mean, there's ways for him to grow, too. I, I think that's going to be a big thing. My, my number one, going back to your original question, is continue to get out of it healthy. Successful Absolutely. preseason is healthy. Yep. Continue to push past it. I mean, it was unfortunate to see Malik Jefferson go down because I thought he continued to grow on his camp. I thought he was having a great camp. He was playing well in the game. He was flying sideline to sideline, going back to the linebacker point you were making. Uh, it was unfortunate to see him go down but avoid injuries like that, and all of a sudden I feel much better about this team depth-wise going into the season. I feel really good about it right now, but I want him to keep it that way. You know, I heard you guys say uh, – about number 33 and number uh, number number 35 35, did not you know they had their bad moments i don't know where at not the most. No, 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 no. no. Neither one of us said no, no, they no. had they their said, bad moments. Yeah, uh. We said they weren't flawless, but they put a lot. I thought the and it still and it, and it still applies. Absolutely. Where were they flawed at? <laughs> Nowhere. Nowhere. Even when they miss tackles, they forced the back to go sideways, so they run into like to bail. I like that. I mean, I saw number thirty-five run in there, miss the tackle, and run and right in the bail. Yep. What that tells me is he knows his gap. Right. His the guy, keys. the guy just made a a better move than he before he got a chance mm-hmm. to break down. That, that, now, if it's a flaw, he needs to learn to break down and secure there his it tackle. Because these dudes, them two dudes, I've heard you and everybody talk about these dudes. I'm like, I'm looking so engrossed with the offensive line and the tight ends. To I missed all of this in training camp. Yeah. And and I saw the the film and I was. I was impressed oh, yeah. with with Bell, with thirty five, and with thirty three. The them dudes, them dogs. Yeah. And if they don't play, something's wrong. Your boy, mailman Phil, by the way, he said you only get five dollars for this show since you didn't talk in the first half. <laughs> I'm, I'm good with that because they, sometimes information to me, information is valuable. And y'all gave me great. I'm serious. Y'all were flawless. I, it not you know the five dollars uh, only goes so far, but the information is yes. Priceless. I'm gonna use this one, hanging with the boys. I'll be repeating this tomorrow. Hey, we got you're me. welcome, Shannon. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, Jesse. Uh, yeah. We've got one more question that we got on our text line. This comes from Jason in Phil- in Pennsylvania, and he says, "Why do the Cowboys have so much trouble finding a kicker?" It's the it's the, <laughs> le- it's the left goal post. Here's, here's what it is. And, and it's the left goal post out there. Here, you here. walk on drive. It's the left goal. It's cursed. Here's here's my take on it. My take on it is it's cursed. Is what it's <laughs> been. My take on it is what it's been the past couple of years. Uh, in that the Cowboys <sighs> discovering Dan Bailey in the fashion that they did, an undrafted free agent who came in and turned out to be during his prime the most lethal weapon for the Cowboys as far as scoring points. So that gave them the confidence to believe they could find him again. And it's possible that they could. But the, but the odds of doing so are not going to be great. But they are, in my opinion, hell-bent on finding that new young leg that, goes, uh, that went under the radar. And it didn't work last year, so that's why you brought in Brett Maher. Didn't work with Tristan Viscaino and having another go at him. So they're hoping Brandy, Brandon Aubrey can be that guy. But I am completely confident that – as this preseason rolls along, if for whatever reason the wheels start to kind of come off from Brandon Arby or he becomes or, you know, remains inconsistent, that he becomes a, a discussion for the practice squad and they would go out and get a Mason Crosby, Robbie Gould. Now, here's why I believe that. It's for the same reason we're talking about Zach Martin being in this training camp now as opposed to the Cowboys letting that drag out. This season has the potential to be something special. You're not going to let it get derailed because you didn't address the situation with Zach Martin and try to figure out the offensive line. I don't believe they're going to let it derail because you are hell-bent on trying to prove that Brandon Aubrey or whatever young kicker can be your next Dan Bailey if he's showing you evidence to the contrary. Are you out on Brandon Aubrey? Not quite. I'm not either. Not quite. I'm I'm literally right there. I don't 
think he's had a chance. I mean, he had Saturday. He missed the extra point, and I get that. That was like it sucked. It, it, but I mean, we it, haven't it's even PTSD had a chance. at that point. We I haven't mean, even had a chance to see him say. kick. Like we haven't even had. He hasn't even which, had a which full is, which, week. Which as is the, why as the I'm right one. here. For those of us that are that here, that man can kick. Did listen. you watch him warm up? First of all, did you watch him warm up? <laughs> <laughs> it's different when the lights come on. But yes, I, I liked the kickoffs. Kickoffs, he has back a of the dynamite zone. in his right foot. Yeah. The kickoffs are that just is boom. a valuable thing. Yeah, John Fossil values that significantly. It, it, he's got to find a way to to make the easy kicks. I mean, you you make it from inside forty five yards. If you're automatic with within forty five yards, I think Brandon Aubrey's on this team. Absolutely, he hasn't shown that he's automatic though, and that's where there's a question mark. Am I completely out on the guy? No. no, I actually see the potential I'm not that they out, see but I'm well. not in either. That's quite literally <laughs> no, where I am right now. I don't think I'm in either. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I'm, but <laughs> in practice, we've seen him particularly. You got two more preseason games. <laughs> in, after you got a couple more practices in the cursed goalposts. Yes. Let's see if he can keep it going. After the release of Tristan Viscaino, Brandon Aubrey immediately started having better practices. Yeah, likely I'm because in. he's getting better reps. He's getting I'm more in. reps, I should say. Okay. Now, he also You're had, in? I'm in on Brandon. You're in. Completely. I'm in on Brandon. Right now. I think so. I like it. I am, and I and I think here's why we put so much pressure on these kickers to do well based solely on this question, right? Why did the Cowboys have so much issues with kickers? The reality is, is sometimes you miss, and I'm not saying that's okay. But what I'm saying is, is we haven't even had he hasn't even had a chance to prove himself. Like he he missed one PAT that's what we're on saying. Saturday. We're saying in, give in him the, the chance USFL, to prove himself. He was nearly flawless, and I know the competition isn't there, but I just I get a little fired up, especially with that kicking spot, because again, like we don't give these guys an opportunity to prove themselves. Like we sit here and we and we roast him and we watch him under this microscope, and I know a level of that is part of our job, but it's also part of our job to give this guy a little bit of grace. He sure. hasn't even had a week to be the full kicker yet and hasn't even had an opportunity really to, to understand what that means to be a kicker. He even came into this situation knowing how volatile that kicking spot is yeah. here on this roster. So I'm in because he needs people to is be in. Is it the soccer connection? It's not even the soccer connection. He <laughs> needs people in his corner. It's the same thing with people like Mozzie Smith, sure. like DeMarvian Overshone. The reason why those kids are able to be successful is because they have people that believe in him. And if you're setting him up to be in a position where everybody is already out on him or not giving him a fair shot at, at being the kicker, then yeah, he's never going to be successful. Well, that's fair, but see, what, what Kyle and I are saying are we are giving him a free shot. We're objecting, or I'm sorry, we're objectively assessing what he's doing, and we're saying <laughs> we're not out right no. now because we've not seen enough to be out. <laughs> we're in the so evaluation we're, right, process. We're still evaluating, but we've not seen enough to be in just I'm yet. in on Brandon Aubrey. Brandon, I believe in you. That's I, good. I, I, I believe I'm in you. I'm okay <laughs> with that. That's totally that's fine. fine. I mean, that's, that's where it needs to be. I also, I also don't think good no, kickers. No, apparently not. I don't think <laughs> Good kickers. I love this. It's a passionate discussion. Grow on trees. I mean, it's like offensive linemen. Good kickers don't grow on trees. They're not everywhere. You can't just go and grab one from your your local. Yeah, you can't find Dan Bailey at Walmart. School. No, yeah. like you can't find him. Like it, that's it's hard to do. I'll say this about Brandon <clears throat> Aubrey. I, I'm rooting for the guy hard, probably harder than anyone else on this team because I think he has a really cool story. I, I mm-hmm. really like a guy that. Bets on himself. He quit soccer and said, you know what, I'm going to be a damn place kicker. <laughs> and he's done everything to get to this stage, and I'm rooting hard for him. I, I just I find, it, I find it tough to predict that he's going to be a better option than Mason Crosby or Robbie Thank Gold you. at the end of the day. How did, Robbie, how, how did either of them do last year? Genuine question. Give me a second. It wasn't, wasn't fantastic. Okay. I'll say that. Was not I mean, they're, they're on the street for a reason. Just checking. Was well, not well Mason Crosby, 50-plus is where he struggled. 49 from 5 to 49. I, I just running. remember that watching was, Mason Crosby go into overtime, and none of them in that one game with the Packers where well, he, he played, they couldn't make anything. Yeah, he had a so. Brett Maher moment. He did in that game. He had a Brett Maher moment. But he, he bounced back from that. Um, but but to Nick's point, it's I agree in that I want Brandon Aubrey to succeed because for me he has on a Cowboys uniform. Therefore, I don't want anybody who steps on that practice field to feel like they can't make it because the better they do, the better the team does. So I want them to finally them being the Cowboys. I would love for them to finally have found the new Dan Bailey. I would love nothing more f- for that to happen. That being said, you have to show me for me to believe it. But in building the evidence to show me and making me believe it that does I'm not also I'm not out on him is what I'm saying so I've seen enough to be nervous but I've seen enough the one missed PAT no I'm not I'm not basing it on I'm talking about camp okay I'm talking about camp I'm talking about the totality of his work that we've seen that the public has not and I'll say this that Saturday practice I believe it was a couple weeks ago where 
Uh, he Both went one, bad. one yeah, for when, six. Yeah, when he went one for three. Blue, white, he, oh, him, yeah. him specifically went one for three in that situation where it was meant to increase pressure. It was meant to, you know, the crowd to be on top of it. That spoke more to me than that one missed PAT. That, that, and, and the one missed PAT, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, I, I don't think we can judge the entire basis off of that. Um, I, I just I want to see consistency. Well, that's that's all I want to see. You know what, fellas? I'm, 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 to be honest with you, we sitting here, because I'm part of this group, having a great debate. But I, I know one man ain't going for it because he done had enough. That's Mr. Jones. Mm-hmm. And there you go. He ain't going for it. So Miss PAT my man, but My man better do his job. Yeah. That's, that's all I can say. He better do his job. Mm-hmm. He ain't going for it. Speaking of Jones, really quick, I think – the yeah, answer, really quick, then we got to wrap. Yeah, to, I think the answer to this question is a, is a long-lost kicker from Orlando Jones High School way back in the day, Mr. <laughs> Nate Newton. Ooh. <laughs> I wasn't no good either. That's why. That's why What's said, your longest Ooh. field goal? My longest field goal attempt was an extra point, and they went haywire. <laughs> 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 and that uh, was it. It was just one, though. Yeah, We're not going to give you yeah, one. Just yeah. one. Yeah. Robbie Mr. Jones was back there, too. <laughs> Robbie Gould, by the way, 27 of 32 field goals last year. He had two attempted from 50-plus, and he made both of them. Uh, PATs, he was 50 of 51. So that's Robbie Gould. Mason Crosby, on the other hand, was 37 of 39 mm-hmm. in terms of PATs. So he missed two PATs. Right. And he was 25 of 29 in terms of field goals allowed. And everything 50-plus. We got to go. We got to go. He was one of four for 50-plus. Let me finish. That's all it was. We got to go. Thank you, guys. It's a spirited <laughs> conversation. We're going to run support marshmallows. That'll do it, though, for us here on Cami Now. Presented by Solo Stove. For Nick, for Patrick, for Kyle, for Nate, who finally talked. I'm Haley Sutton, <laughs> and we'll see you guys back in Frisco. Information is invaluable. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!